0: Daniel chapter 2 and we're going to begin at verse 14 as you're turning there I want to remind you that this is the end of the time right now we want you to turn in your she's for Christ sacrificial offering if you can just as soon as possible We'd love it if you could get it in this weekend. If you can't, next weekend is okay, but we are wrapping that up, and we're going to continue fundraising for a little bit, but we need to get some totals in, so please help us out with that. We have already been amazed at what God is doing in the giving for She's for Christ, and so let that be an encouragement to you today. There's going to be some awesome announcements about that in the future. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 14 and I'm going to read several scriptures here in the New King James Version. Then without, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel. Everybody say Daniel. Daniel. You remember we're talking about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were names that were given to them by Babylon. was not their real names. But this is the group of Hebrew young men that we're following right now. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard. Now, what king? King Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to talk about him today for a little bit too. Who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time, that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon." Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Everybody say vision. Vision. In a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, and listen to this, uh, this blessing that Daniel pronounced. There's some good stuff in here. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He moves kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand amen and we've got a simple subject entitled today but we need to get it in our spirit god is in control you hear me today are you awake this morning i mean you need to pinch yourself now to be a real good time if we're about to hit the ground running god is in control Amen. You think everything's spun out of control? I've got a newsflash today. God is in control. It may appear differently, but really he's in control. In her devotional that's called Who's in Charge Here? Angela Watson talked about the importance of teachers allowing for God's sovereignty in the classroom. This is what she wrote. Have you ever purposefully turned your classroom over to the Lord? Sure, you prayed to him intermittently throughout the day, mostly when you felt ready to strangle one of the kids. You've probably encountered situations in which you were powerless and sighed, oh well, it's in God's hands now, nothing else I can do. It is certainly convenient and scriptural to turn problems over to God when we are in the thick of them. But what if we take our faith to the next level and give a situation over to God before it even happens? Somebody, you need to hear that today. We worry about it when we're in the thick of it. When we can, at the beginning, before it ever started, say, God, I give this to you. Why? Because you're in control. Amen. Amen. Now, while she suggests teachers become proactive in in turning their situations over to God before problems develop, the fact is God is already in control. I understand that that's, that's really simplistic this morning, but we don't get it in our spirit like we need to sometimes. God is in control. And sometimes we try to take control, we just need to recognize His sovereignty. We need to celebrate that he's in control and work in harmony with him. We're, we're natural control freaks. That's, that's, that's part of humanity. We're control freaks, and that's most often motivated by fear. We fear, so we feel like we got to take control. And the fact is, God is and will always be in full control of everything. He set into motion every plant Every living thing, everything that's not living, everything that there is, he set in motion his self. And while we have independence and we can make decisions on our own, he's still in control. He runs it all. It's all at his hands. And we relieve a lot of stress by learning to live with the acceptance that God is in control of everything. You stress, When you try to take control and do it the way you think it needs to be done. But if you can turn it over to God and give everything over to him, like he really already has made it, it all belongs to him. If you can really turn it over to him, you'll sleep better at night. You'll stress less because it's all in his control. Most often things are muddled up and messed up once we begin to take control ourselves. And we try to make things work. So we got to trust God. Now, let's talk about this man, Nebuchadnezzar. Brother Blake, I've got an artist rendering of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I mean, this, this is an artist rendering. We, we didn't have an iPhone back then. To take a picture of the guy and put a profile picture up for you today. So uh, I just want to kind of get a picture in your mind of this person. King Nebuchadnezzar. Who is he? What, what is the deal? He rose into power uh, shortly after he became well known as an officer in the field of battle. And there was a series of battles in which it was amazing victories for Babylon. And there came a day where he heard that his father was on his deathbed, who was the king of Babylon at the time. And so he hurriedly went that direction because he realized that he was probably gonna be taking the throne and he did. He became king. And he began building. this is a big part of what Nebuchadnezzar is known for. He built and he built and he built and he built. The city there that he resided in, Babylon, had five walls around it, no less. Five walls. This was your defense. You know, the wall of Jericho. This city had five walls. And this was the nature of what he did. He built, he built and built the hanging gardens. Brother Blake, I got another artist's rendering of that when it was in their time. Now it's obviously destroyed and doesn't look anything like this. But the hanging gardens he built to remind his wife of her homeland. She lived in the mountains and they're considered to be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. There's another photo, Brother Blake, that's another possible artist rendering what it might look like. This palace, this uh, majestic palace that was infused with nature to remind her of her homeland. This was what Nebuchadnezzar did. He built, he built. He was a man who was trying to build wonders with his own two hands. Now we're talking about Babylon, right? Babylon, Babel, the Tower of Babel. What were people trying to do? Anybody remember? They were trying to build a tower that would reach heaven so they would be as high as God himself. They were trying to build a wonder with their own two hands. And here we find Nebuchadnezzar doing essentially the same thing. He trusted in his wisdom and his abilities to take him where he wanted to go. And he was capturing people. He was growing his kingdom at an alarming rate to the rest of the world. And it was known far and wide the power that this king was growing into. Now, I want you to imagine for a minute this powerful, mighty kingdom. Wonders of the world. Five walls, this powerful king that we've talked about growing and growing and all of a sudden the climate in the palace of Babylon suddenly shifts when King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and it mystifies him and it troubles him and all of a sudden, something that he feels is really serious and he needs to understand, there is nothing with his two hands that he can do to help himself. This is how God works. He presents somebody who has worked and done everything with their own two hands, trying to build everything up together and progress in life and confront them with something that you can do nothing about yourself. You're going to have to find a way to trust God and get an answer from Him. Climate completely shifted. He was so troubled that sleep departed from him, and he couldn't find any relief. The biblical text mentions he dreamed dreams, and it suggests more than one dream, but the use of the plural in this case, it seems to indicate that he was dreaming the same dream again and again, and it was troubling him. It was just absolutely possessing him to try to understand what was the purpose of this. He couldn't even remember the essence of the dream. He could only feel it was somehow significant and that he needed to know its meaning. He needed to understand it. So Nebuchadnezzar called for his wise men to appear before him so that he could inquire of them as to what the dream was, what its significance is. And he could understand this and no longer be troubled by it. So he calls all these wise men in And uh, these wise men evidently were not wise enough to interpret the dream for him. And so multiple efforts by wise men, combined efforts by wise men, and the king expected these men to both reconstruct the dream for him as well as provide its meaning. And he was losing patience with them real quick. And their inability to produce the dream and its interpretation. And so the king threatened their lives and their very houses. Threatening the lives of everyone uh, around them in their home. In their household as well. He wanted an answer. This is how troubled he was by this dream. The king even gave the wise men an offer they couldn't refuse. He offered them great gifts, rewards and honor if they interpreted the dream. Or death and desolated houses if they failed to make it happen. And they complained to the king that there was nobody, no king or ruler anywhere who required such an impossible feat of men like he was asking. The king was being unreasonable with them. And still he became angry and ordered the destruction of all the wise men of Babylon, which would reach even to Daniel and his Hebrew companions. Now you remember last week We talked about the fact that Nebuchadnezzar purposefully called out to get the brightest young men when they captured the people of God and put them over to the side. And what did they do? They started teaching them. And if I remember correctly, we talked about it as either a two or three year process that they would be teaching and indoctrinating them and training them to get to the point where one day they would have the wisest people that God ever had, and they would now be serving King Nebuchadnezzar. You remember that Daniel refused the king's meat and the other Hebrew boys, they refused it. And so what was it? It was a separation from the world. It was a separation. We are not going to be like Babylon. We're not gonna eat the king's meat. We're going to be different. And now I want you to understand how this opened up a door, okay? I want you to understand, this is really important. They made that decision earlier. Now, all the wise men that were trained in the king's ways, that ate the king's meat and did everything that he wanted them to do, did not have an answer for him. So, his decision is to go to somebody different. You picking up on what I'm saying this morning? If you separate yourself from the world and you do what you know you're supposed to do, what is right? It's not always the most comfortable thing to do. It's not always the most convenient thing to do. But at some point, it will open up a door for you. At some point, God will open up a door because of your commitment and your sacrifice. He notices it. He sees it. He's watching And he looks for people that are committed to him, even when it's not convenient. Even when it's not convenient. The problem for Nebuchadnezzar was that he put his trust in man's wisdom. It's human nature to feel our knowledge is perfect and invincible. It's human nature to do that. But the reality is that human nature and wisdom alone are always going to be insufficient. It's always going to be inadequate for a person to feel positive, to feel ambitious and self-confident. That's not a bad thing. And I'm not bashing that today. But it's just simply inadequate when it's separate from godliness When it's separate from divine purpose in your life and confidence that's not anchored in self, but anchored in Jesus. When you have that, it don't matter as much how much knowledge you've got. You've got the one that's got all knowledge. It don't matter how much strength you've got. All that matters is you've got the one that's stronger than anybody. Amen. No matter how smart you are at that point, you've got the one who created everything and knows everything. Amen. And so it's a trust in God. The Bible says in Philippians chapter four and verse 13, that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. And when we get to talking about man's wisdom, here's another interesting verse. First Corinthians chapter one and verse 25 Brother Blake, um, it says this because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Amen. It does not matter how strong you think that you are. It doesn't even come close to being stronger than the weakest part of God. And there is no weak part of God. He stands high and tall above all the rest. Amen. And so we got to learn to depend on the one who has perfect knowledge. Well, I got knowledge. Yeah, but you don't have perfect knowledge. Amen. The one who has perfect wisdom. Well, I got wisdom. Uh, You don't have perfect wisdom like he does. Amen. And so you're at an advantage when you fully trust God. Daniel shared the news about this dream issue. With his Hebrew friends that were captured with him. Their lives were in danger just as much as the wise men of Babylon. They would be killed too if something did not happen. And we find Daniel again showing that he had an excellent spirit about him. When he was confronted by Arioch, Who was apparently the chief uh, executor of the king. Daniel asked him. Why is the decree so hasty from the king? So he was calm and reason somebody tells you well you're going to give me an answer to this or I'm going to kill you and burn your house that probably uh triggers some anxiety I would imagine about you but Daniel was calm and collected and he asked why is the decree so hasty from the king and so he kind of slowed things down in the face just a little bit because really, all in all, he knew that if he was ever going to get an answer to any of this, he's going to have to seek God, and that was going to take just a minute. He's going to have to seek the Lord and pray. Arioch explained the situation to Daniel, and Daniel sought an opportunity to explain the dreams to the king. The only thing he requested of the king was that he could appropriately inquire of the one who would reveal this dream to him. He needed a prayer meeting. He needed some time where he could talk to God and get an answer. And so Ariok granted his request and Daniel went to Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, these other Hebrew young men, and enlisted them to join him in a time of prayer and seeking God to interpret this dream. And so they began to pray. Together, they began to pray and intercede before God that He would reveal to them a secret about Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which would spare their lives. Now, some believe that they prayed together and then retired for the night, and others are convinced that they continued interceding until God gave a night vision to Daniel. But no matter which happened, the important thing is that God came through and gave a spiritual insight that they sought. God had mercy upon them for their sake because He's a prayer-answering God. You hear me this morning? God is a prayer-answering God. Now, they could have sat and come up with some elaborate... Manufactured interpretation to his dream and say, Well, it means this, and you got to do this, or or you ain't going to make it. They could have come up with something to try to save their life. They didn't trust in themselves, they trusted in God, and they believed that God would give them an answer. We are met with that same type of situation today. We could try to manufacture something to get us by and survive, or we can trust God and we can thrive. You make a decision. Am I going to trust in myself or I'm going to trust in God? We're met with that today. And so if there's something that what what all we're reading here, if, if it's speaking to us something today that's very clear, it's that there is power in unified prayer. There is power in prayer. Especially when we're unified together. There's just something different about it. When the body of Christ connects together as the body of Christ and operates together as the body of Christ. When we join together in faith to present our petition to God, we can be confident that he is going to answer and he's going to provide what we need. We can be confident about that. It may be in his own way, for his own purpose, but he's going to answer. He's going to answer. Corporate prayer is powerful prayer. And we, when we pray together in this room, or you bind together with somebody, even on Tuesday nights when we're having prayer and there's, you know, we do an intro and, and pastor talks to us, kind of gives us a push for prayer. And we're in separate houses, but we're praying together. It means something. Amen. Don't think that Tuesday night's just kind of skipped over now and nothing's going on. There's something happening. Even though we're scattered across the county and we're praying. We're praying together. For example, I want you to consider Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. Acts chapter 4 verse 31. It's time to strap on your seatbelt for just a second, okay? I want you to listen to this and, and 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 see what happens when somebody prays. OK, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. And then then we'll just split it up and see. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say any of the things he possessed was his own, but they all, they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. In these verses, we see, I know at least five things that resulted from the unified prayer of the church. So what happened? They prayed in a place where they were assembled together. They were assembled together. It is important that we assemble together. Why? If I don't have anywhere else to go, I can stick right here in this scripture and tell you, because when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. It is the will of God this morning that we assembled together in this place, have a shaking and the Lord does something. And because we've done that, I believe the Lord is going to shake it. Okay. And I'm not telling you that you're going to feel an earthquake in your pew this morning. That's not what I'm telling you. Shake your socks off. That's not what I'm telling you, but I'm talking about the Holy Ghost can shake some things. Amen. And the Bible says, stir up the gift that is within you. But what about when we get together and stir up the gift in us? This is what happens. There is a shaking. Amen. In the house. So it's the will of God this morning that there is a shaking in this house. Amen. Would anybody like to see God shake something up this morning? Amen. I don't know what it would be. I don't really care. I don't have to know what it'll be. I just want God to move however He wants to. And so let let me make a push this morning. It is important. That the people of God are together. Because there is something different that happens when the people of God are together. It's the will of God. And when we complete the will of God in our lives and we do come together, great things happen. Amen. The place was shaken where they were assembled. What else happened? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and boldly spoke the Word of God. Because people got together and prayed, the Holy Ghost was poured out on. Amen. So let me ask you this: Would anybody in this place be interested in some more Holy Ghost? Yes. Yes. I hope so. <laughs> Amen. Would anybody be interested? In the Lord giving you a word that you could boldly speak today. Amen. Can I tell you something? That may happen because you've decided that you're going to be unified with the body of Christ. Amen. You're following the word of the Lord this morning. What else? They were all unified in one heart and one soul. Also, The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection. Now, when you're around other believers, when you're around other apostolics, you're naturally encouraged, are you not? Amen. Are you blessed by somebody's worship that you see around here sometimes? Or or somebody's message? Or somebody's singing? Or somebody's testimony? You get lifted up by that and God helps you to be a better witness when you leave. Now, I ain't going to spell it out for you. I mean, I, I, all, all I'm saying is when we come together, something happens. Yes. Things take place. And also it says that great, great grace was upon them all. Amen. Why? Because as a corporate body, they turned their attention to God. They prayed together. They prayed unified. They gave God all the control. Hear me today when I say it again God is still in control. You say, well, coronavirus. No, he's still in control in the middle of coronavirus. You say, well, world in turmoil. It's still his world that he's in control of. It. He created it all and it's going to work toward his purpose. Amen. He's still going to have a church in the middle of a pandemic. He's still going to have a worshiping church in the middle of a pandemic. Amen. And I'll tell you what, I'm just completely in line with what pastor preached last Sunday about worship. Amen. We can't afford to lose our worship. Amen. I understand. I understand there's this underlying feeling about what's in the atmosphere. You know, what, what you, you might get a hold of by touching this or touching that. The anxiety that is there. But I'm going to tell you what. If we would let that have control over our worship, we are doomed, folks. I'm not telling you to go around and jump all over everybody do something like that. But I am telling you, you need to let loose your worship. Don't let that hold it back. Praise God. Amen. And it's His desire that there be a shaking no matter what. No matter what. Amen. So God revealed the secret of Nebuchadnezzar's dream to Daniel. Bible says in a night vision. Daniel chapter 2 verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. The Lord answered their prayers. They had a night prayer meeting and said, it's all on the table. This is it. God's going to, have to come through or we're going to be killed. And so he will come through. He will come through. It's, he's got a plan here. God's working something. We don't all understand it. And this king is getting ready to kill every person considered wise in the land. If they don't come up with something. But God's in control. And he answered and worked and brought to light the answer to the king's dream. And so automatically, once that happened, I'm talking the next verse. Daniel didn't turn around and say, oh, I've got the answer. Send me before the king because I'm going to be the only wise guy in the kingdom now. You know what I'm saying? He could have done that. He could have done that. But before he ever did anything, he stopped and he worshiped God. The king hadn't stopped his decree that every wise man was going to be killed yet. Still, Daniel worshiped God and his worship is recorded in four verses in our text. And and, I mean, it's just a goldmine of things that he said. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. Now you understand. Every wise man had been inquired of and nobody had anything but Daniel did. He's saying right now, God gave me this thing. It was not me. It was God. God is doing this. And knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. And he knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Hallelujah. Amen. You talk about a right spirit. You talk about the right and appropriate answer to what God had done. Daniel knew that it is God who sets kings up and puts them down. Amen. You're worried, you know, anxiety about the political world right now. Let me inform you right now from the Word of God. He sets up the government and he puts the government down. He's in control. People get all uptight. Because an opposite party is going to be in control. He's still in control. And he's going to have his way. Amen. And so they they weren't timid. They weren't um, uncertain regarding their prayers that they prayed. And we ought not to be timid or uncertain about what we're praying either. Because God answers prayer. I feel like reminding somebody strongly today, God answers prayer. Amen. So something you've been struggling with and stressing out about today, I ask you, have you presented it to God yet? Have you had a talk with Jesus about it? What's the song say? Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry and what will he do? He'll answer by and by. Amen. Jesus assured his disciples. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And him who knocks it will be opened. Amen. Now let me ask you something. If you... uh, If you really want to see a friend that you haven't seen in a long time, maybe somebody you went to high school with or something, and you look up their address, and you decide that you're going to go pay them a surprise visit, okay? And you go up to their door, and instead of knocking, you just kind of stand there. I can tell you a few things that's going to happen. First of all, if you do that at my door, uh, at some point I know that I'm gonna have to take the dog out and I'm gonna walk out that front door and you're gonna be standing there and something is gonna happen. Especially if I don't know, you know, somebody I ain't seen in a long time, you know, I don't know who you are. And all of a sudden you're standing right at my front door and I run into you. There's gonna be some words or some fists or something. I don't know, it's, what are you doing here, you know? You want to talk to that person. You want to have a conversation with them. You don't walk up to the door and stand there. You don't stay out in your car in the street and say, boy, I can't wait to see them here in my car. You're not. You get the attention of the person on the other side of the door so that they can open it for you. Amen. And so if we stand here with a knee, boy, I've got a need, You know, I, I really got a need, But we never knock on the door of heaven. Mercy. Mercy. You got to knock, friend. You got to knock. And let God know and tell Him. What does the Bible tell us? Come boldly before the throne of grace. You ought to get on that door and knock. And get the attention. You're not going to offend Him. God's been waiting on you this whole time to bring it to him. John 14, verse 13, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Whatever our needs may be, it's always appropriate to present them to God. I want you to think of something that maybe nobody in this room knows about that is going on in your life. Maybe it's something you're ashamed of, you don't want people to know about. Hear me right now. It's time to take that to God. Don't be ashamed to tell the Lord about it. God wants you to bring it to Him. Sometimes we're timid about our prayers. But we're allowed to approach His throne with boldness. Why? Because how we pray reveals our faith in Him responding. So you just kind of hit the door like this. The real faith is somebody who says, Lord, I need an answer. I need an answer, God. I need an answer. There was was one time... uh, I was laying in bed and I was just past asleep. I mean, I just fell asleep. And uh, all of a sudden, I think, I believe Sister Kirsten too, she was just, just out of sleep. And all of a sudden, there was the loudest noise that I think I've ever heard in our house. And it sounded like somebody was beating the door down. I mean, clean, beating it down like they was about to bust through it and come and get us. And so, what did I do? I went from this to this. Yeah, it ended up being our washer off kilter. But it got my attention. I thought I was going to have to get ready and take care of something. Went there and that washer was coming up off the ground like it had some type of spirit in it. But I ask you, if somebody really beats on your door, it'll get your attention. Why don't we go to God with the same urgency sometimes? I mean, it really matters to you, doesn't it? If it matters to you, it matters to God. Let Him know about it. Let Him know about it. Daniel went to Arioch and informed him that God had revealed this dream to him and he requested Arioch refrain from destroying the wise men. And it's really refreshing to see that Daniel's help that he was given here was not just personal, trying to preserve his own life, but he was seeking the preservation of every wise men that he knew and every wise man of Babylon. He was reaching to preserve all their lives. And something important is, it wasn't about Daniel being seen and heard in front of the king. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about his ability, his magical ability to interpret a dream. It was about others and the greater work that God was doing. Amen. Spiritual gifts are not about the person. Amen. We don't glorify the person. Besides, it didn't say that you shall know them by their gifts. you know them by their fruit. Amen. Not the gifts, the fruit. Amen. It's not about the person. You know, I had one time, I was at a youth service, and I encountered a young man that was telling me about how he was going to go to a school of healing. A school of healing. I'm talking about the gift of healing. And he started going on and on about, it and I said, A school of healing. And I, I just had to stop him. I said, I don't understand why you would need that when it's God that heals. I'm just the vessel that He works through. You can't learn healing. You can't learn prophecy. You submit yourself to God and his will and say, Lord, I earnestly desire the best gifts and God just performs it through you because it's not about you. It wasn't about Daniel. It was about the work of God that he wanted to do on that day. So Daniel sought the audience with this king and he brought this interpretation to the king. And what he brought to him was not just an interpretation, but it was a celebration of God. Because in the middle of the conversation, Daniel chapter 2, verse 28, Daniel proclaimed this. He gave him that interpretation and everything. But then he told that King Nebuchadnezzar, who's so mighty, building everything with his own hands. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. He didn't say, oh, but there's a Daniel that you need to promote. He said, but there is a God in heaven, Nebuchadnezzar, who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed. Were these, And he began to give him the interpretation. He was quick to make it clear. It's not about me, king. It's about this God that you need to serve. This God that you need to know. He's the one who gives the information. And in response, this king gave misguided worship to Daniel. He began worshiping Daniel. As selfless as Daniel is, he's still got a guy that's Just about bowing down to him. And through Daniel, God was able to demonstrate his greatness in the face of a pagan king. The king answered Daniel. This is verse 47. This is no longer Daniel. This is the king talking. Truly, your God is the God of gods. The Lord of kings. It's the king saying this. And the revealer of secrets. Since you could reveal this secret. Hmm. What happened after that? They were preserved. And the king promoted Daniel. And Daniel promoted his friends. How did all this happen? I want to back up for just a minute. And we're going to close. But I want you to think about this. There's a process of things that went on here to get them to where they're at from the point of death to the point that they're helping out run the nation. What happened? What did the people of God do that brought them to this point? The first thing that's very clear is that the entire time they maintained a full and complete trust in God. It didn't change. You're going to eat the King's meat. No, we're not going to eat the King's meat. We're trusting in God. We're going to kill you if you don't give an interpretation. Okay, we're going to trust God. And here also, we're going to throw you in the lion's den. That's okay. We'll trust God. They never quit on trusting God. What else do they do? We already talked about it. They separated themselves from the world. And it quickly made them identified when nobody else had an answer. The world needs to see something different in us. It needs to see something different in us. It can't see the same thing it sees everywhere else. It needs to see therein lies something different. There is an answer. Also, they were instant in season. When God was opening up an opportunity, they were stepping into it. They were ready for it. It didn't always look the brightest situation. Matter of fact, plenty of this time, it was either their death or a miracle. But still, when God opened up a door, they walked through it. They didn't stop. They kept on trusting God and walking through that door. The entire time, God was in control. God is still in control today. He's still in control today. We got to do live streaming sometimes. He hasn't changed. He's still God. He's still in control. Well, things have changed. We don't have an offering plate going around. God's still in control. We got to space singers out on the platform with markers. He's still in control. And I can't tell you what's going to happen in the next week. It's changing every day. And I'm to the point where I figured out you got to get that junk off and not worry about what's going on so much. And understand, he is in control. Of it all, and whether the people and the actors realize it or not, they are all going to work according to His purpose. They will, they will, all the way up until one day, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. Somebody messed it up one time. Say, every tongue will bow, and every knee will confess. <laughs> everybody's going to bow and realize the revelation's going to come. And ain't nobody going to have to say it. He's in control. He always has been. He still is today. And the people who did realize it and get a revelation of it and lived it in their life are going to rule and reign with Him. We're going to be judges on the earth. Amen. He's still in control. Let's stand together this morning. You can trust in the Lord. You can trust in the Lord because all things work together. All things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to His purpose. Is there anybody that loves God this morning? Is there anybody that loves God this morning? You ought to lift up your voice to Him right now. Is there anybody that loves God this morning and you're called according to His purpose? Let me tell you, all things are going to work together for you. You just need to trust.